podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we are live on YouTube. I just, I just saw some um, bad news. that Unfortunately, Bluey and Rusty have both been fatally run over retrieving a cricket ball from the highway. So it's not funny. So there's no further details, but unfortunately that story's come to an end. That's not funny. <laughs> that is very funny. That was not funny. <laughs> it was funny. At all. I think people are going a bit overboard on Bluey. Who's Bluey that and Rusty? That was my Carlin Ghost. We've also ruined that. Well, you could, but I, I think the whole world knows about the Bluey cricket episode <laughs> and it's not like some masterpiece. It's like seven minutes of cute entertainment. Have you seen the State of Origin one? Yes, no. that's an awesome one. That's an awesome they, one, yeah. Yes. They yeah, are talking about it as, even though Ray Warren only did 99 games, that they're saying that they should count that as his 100th game. <laughs> That's true. So R.I.P. Yeah. Bluey. And I Rusty. love Bluey. It's awesome. Um, I, I didn't know Rusty. I, um, I don't, maybe I don't follow the canon of it well enough to know, but I know there's Bluey and Bandit and uh, Bingo well, Rusty's and Rusty's the cricketer. Rusty's your, uh, the Donald Bradman of the show. Yeah, I haven't Rusty's seen that one yet. Jam. Can you do some stats on Rusty? Well, I'll have to watch well, the episode. He's dead now, so. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to Cricket Unfiltered. I am Menas, joined by Jaleesa Apps in studio. One way to get around all the technical problems is bring her in in person. And Paul and my HR issues. Yes, and Paul is <laughs> dialed in from his house, so the rumours can persist that they cannot be in the room together. Welcome, Maybe Paul. we've never been seen together in the same room. Have you ever actually met in person? <laughs> I'm actually um, I'm under house arrest. Um, I don't know why, but um, yeah, yeah, the cage room me. <laughs> anyway, we have got a massive show. There is a lot to get into. We have uh, an Ashes preview. There's lots of listener questions. <clears throat> but first, let's just wrap up a few of the World Test Championship talking points. I'll start with you, Jaleesa. Do you think Shubman Gill's 15% fine was enough for what he tweeted out? Was it um, Paul who said, was it you, Paul, that was said it was paid? It was a paid tweet? <laughs> no, not me. Oh, someone, was it you, Menace? Someone reached, Someone put it on Twitter, I think. Put it on Twitter maybe one of our it, listeners. Yeah, maybe, maybe, um, that said it was a paid tweet, which I thought was quite funny. I didn't have the extreme reaction that everyone else had. I mean, yeah, I thought the fine was fine. The okay. fine was fine. The fine was fine. <laughs> Paul, where do you sit on the 15%? Um, I think he should have got more. Um, I, we talked about how they got 100% for their match fee already. So he's already made a loss for playing in the game. Um, but um, it wasn't the biggest crime in the world. But I did feel for the... I, I thought it cast aspersions on the professionalism of uh, Richard Kettlebrough. And I think that the, the, the umpires need protection. So I don't say that he should have been um, hung out to dry. But I think 15% was a little bit light. And I reckon it shows that the ICC are probably a little bit nervous that that... They thought if they go much harder, then the BCCI will suddenly um, arc up and say, guess what? The IP on it goes for 12 months. Good luck. <laughs> it's true. That's the sad reality. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you deserve the fine, obviously, but I thought it was fair what it what it was in the end. I think it could have been a bit more. I'd have liked to have seen him maybe banned for life. Oh. Um, <laughs> but falling short of that, I, I think... You're always so measured. I, I think a, a test ban would have been appropriate because of what Paul was saying, that... You just cannot undermine the umpires like that. And I give someone a lot of leeway for doing something in the heat of the moment. 
I'm an emotional guy. Mm. The catch is taken. You're upset. That's fine. But when you go back and hours later tweet out something, that's premeditated it and I think like dangerous. It wasn't tweeted about the umpires though. No, but it, it I mean, it, it, it implies something. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, um, the overrate fine. So hundred percent India, 80% to Australia. I'm not. I mean, it's not enough. Like, if they're just going to keep uh, doing this. Enough with the uh, slow overrates. Well, I mean, we we keep on talking about it because it's ruining the game. That mm-hmm. you, you watch any day of test cricket and say to yourself, that was a good day. Imagine how much better it would have been if we had, what was it on day one? Or was it day two that they had an absolute shocking level? Um, mm. You know, you, you could add another 80 or 100 balls spliced in between the uh, the balls that were there. And... People are getting robbed of their entertainment. I mean, the broadcaster should say we're not paying. Um, we, we, we demand a discount for the fact that you didn't deliver the um, the agreed upon content. The thing that's frustrating is about it is we keep on talking about it. They could fix it overnight in one of uh, any number of different ways. Just make penalties that are um, such that they realise, oh, we have to get on with things. Because there are so many instances where it's a, a, a captain talking to the bowler about whether he wants to make a fielding change or not. It's boring. Um, get on with it. Um, I reckon maybe they should make a limit as to how many fielding changes they can make. You start the day with three slips in a gully, et cetera, and, you know, you can make – just like rugby league, you've got a, num- a set number of substitutions. Um, you get a set number of fielding changes, and once you're done, you, you stick with the same bloody field for the rest of the day. That would be fun. I don't think uh, finding match fees just works in general because they're so low in comparison to their actual salaries that yeah. – who cares? Yeah, it doesn't it's make like a It's like a parking fine for us. That's right. I mean, I think the stats are that so Australia is paid about 18,000. Australian test players get about 18 grand a match on top of their contract. So they'll find 80% of that, but then they split 1.6 million between the squad for winning the World Test Championship. So they don't really care, do and they? And then you add like their Australian contract on that anyway. Exactly. <laughs> it's nothing to them. And it's not as though we're expecting overrates of. <laughs> They're doing it on purpose. <laughs> They're accounted to say, oh, slow the overrates down. Slow the overrates. We need another tax deduction. <laughs> it's almost the end of the financial year. Do we have an end of financial year? I, I think you've cracked it. That's we, what they were doing. We need an end of financial year sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> but just, I, I think it's not as though we're expecting them to go back to the days of yore when, you know, in the 1930s, they'd sometimes get in 22 hours an hour. I get it with uh, DRS and concussion protocols and everything else. But they should say, um, if you don't beat your minimum standard of overs in the session, if you're three overs short, well, the start of the next session, you come out with three fielders missing or something like that for the first three overs. Something that is absolutely uh, serious. And they'll just fix it overnight. And then we'd, have, then we'd be able to stop talking about it and stop boring everyone with it. They get a wicket back. I like suspending the captain. Because he's responsible. Oh, of course. Oh, what a <laughs> shock, Paul. No. Or a, a, a pitch clock like, they have in the, like they've got an MLB now. That would be all right. <laughs> well, that has been suggested, and I quite like that. Mm. Um, anyway, it's disappointing, especially in the showpiece match, that that would be such a feature. Also disappointing, after the test match, Rohit Sharma said he thought, he thinks that, the World Test Championship should be played over a three-test series. I heard Bec- that a bit. Be- yeah, well, what do you think, Jaleesa? No. 
Otherwise, it's just another series. I like the um, showpiece of a grand final, and I think that was the whole point. It of, reminds you of NRL. Kind of. It reminds me of NRL, um, and <laughs> you brought it up first. <laughs> you brought it up first. <laughs> I did. I like the showpiece and the build-up to one big occasion. I don't want another test match series. Absolutely. It makes no sense to tr- drag it out. Mm. I mean, if it was a three test series, you're going to drag out the grand final over three weeks. And mm. even then, you know, you might have weather or other things play a part. So one and done, I like the six days. So you virtually guaranteed a result and it's all on the line. But like the AFL play it again, if it's a draw. Ooh, but they share the title mm. at the moment. So you, you think play it again? Yeah. I think they should just play forever, like like reserve eight days and make sure they get a result. I don't hate the three day three test notion. Uh, I do agree with you guys, though. There is something nice about a nice clean cut final. I just don't think it's realistic. I just don't think that the the schedule could fit yeah. it in. But it, if it was to be, say, one test in Australia, one test in India, and then one test in England to conclude it, so you conclude it in a neutral venue, if it's one all. That could be okay. Um, I'd be up for that. I don't think it's sour grapes of Rohit Sharma saying it. I think he was just making the point. Um, I, in an ideal world, it would be all right, but you're right. Even in the Soccer World Cup, um, it's not the fairest way, as Pat Cummins said, the fairest way, what do you say, would have a 50-test match final. Um, that would certainly – I'd be up for that as well, just, you know, 50 weeks, um, a couple <laughs> weeks off forever. for Christmas and away you go again. But for, <laughs> if that was the case that you were going to play three tests, uh, say, in this series, say, well, in this championship – it's not realistic with the Ashes. Like Australia just couldn't do it. Well, no, and India couldn't do it either. No, you Look true. at the IPL and yeah. their commitments. It's it's folly to think of, like it's folly for Sharma to suggest that in that The only form, reason I'm not more angry about it, no, I'm not angry about it at all, is that if it did happen, it would mean two more showpiece test matches at a time when test cricket is struggling. That's the sort of other appeal that it would have for me. But don't you think if you're trying to bring casual fans in, it's just an easy sell. This is one game. Yeah. The winner is the champion. That's it. Yeah. But I'm also saying if if there was another match taking place starting um, uh, in two days' time in India, there would be huge interest as well. That's true. In India especially. All right. Now let's get into our world te- – uh, let's get into our Ashes preview. Um, few, so many issues floating around this series. Firstly, I guess, Jaleesa, what's your level of excitement? going into this Ashes series because you're going to be there. Yeah. I'm really excited for it, particularly with how Australia played against India. I was a bit concerned heading to into that um, fixture. Now I'm a little bit more excited. Um, and I also feel a bit more excitement around than I expected. Like people that are casual observers of cricket are excited for the Ashes, which is awesome when it's over there and it's not the most – like it is kind of time zone friendly, but there's a lot going on in other leagues and other sports and that kind of thing. I'm starting to feel the excitement a lot more, and I'll be at Headingley, so I'm I'm super excited. Paul, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm uh, massively excited. I'm always excited for the Ashes. I think I'm more excited for this than any Ashes that I can ever remember. Really? Uh, yep. <clears throat> I mean, in in hindsight, 2005 is by far the best Ashes I've ever seen, and I was very excited for mm. it leading into 2005. But obviously, I didn't know it was going to be that good. But so in 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 the lead up, I think this is the most excited I've ever been. The only sour note for me is that unlike you, I'm not going to be over there, um, which 
um, you know, if it's an absolute thriller and, you know, if it's five ties or something like that and um, afterwards they declare that the Premier League's over and England's just going to play cricket and um, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, I'll be, part of me will be like a little bit sad thinking I really should have been there. So um, that's the only, <laughs> that's the only sound for me. And after the experience of the World Test Championship, I don't think I'm quite as good at the late nights as I once was. And I always, that was my main strength in life. And so if I'm struggling to start to start watching cricket late at night, then I don't know what I've got left. <laughs> Given uh, my track record with um, oh, particularly overseas cricket matches, uh, you'll expect the first day of Headingley to be rained out. Oh, I'd say really? you're to blame if that happens. Absolutely. I'm excited, but I must admit the Ashes doesn't bring out my best qualities. <laughs> what do you call your best qualities, well, though? Because I suspect the best qualities that you would call and the best qualities that maybe someone would value mm, like might I, be different. Like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm actually like the hate for the English is just sort of bubbling up oh. inside. That's, Cheerio to all those people listening in England. Thanks for your yeah, um, that's, that's been, been, but this, been yeah, a great journey. Like, <laughs> I just admit it. This reminds me, I know you're going to hate this too, but it really is a shame you don't follow rugby league because this is like <laughs> what we need. <laughs> it, this is what the New South Wales Blues, the fans that they need, and this is what Queensland have. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, look, let's get into some talking points around where I think this series will be won and lost. And when I go through most of this, I actually mark Australia pretty well, so I'm really confident going into the series. We'll start off with um, – well, something that came out in the World Test Championship final was that Australia had a very poor catching rate mm. in the last cycle, the third worst of any test side, 75% only. And that is a concern to me heading into the Ashes with chances flying into the slips. I know you two think I'm you know, too critical of McDonald and Cummins for not letting the team train, but that is a stat that can't be argued with. No, I, that- I do want to argue with it. Um I've actually prepared up one hour little um, lecture that I'm going to give now um, okay, on, on catching stats. Now, um, the only thing I'll say is that the don't when you just purely do what percentage were caught, I think you've got to take into account what percentage were difficult, what percentage were easy. Um, and maybe over a long period of time, that percentage does ring true. But I just did it for this test match, just as an exercise then for half an hour after seeing your point in the notes. And to the best of my knowledge, in this test match, Australia caught 13 of 16, so an 81%, and India caught 12 of 13, so 92%. But then when I go back at each catch and work out, in my opinion, how difficult it was and how many runs they say. So, for example, given throughout history, a test wicket's been worth about 30 runs. Cameron Green's brilliant catch um, saved 30 runs for the team, but his shocking catch cost the team 30 runs and, and so on. Um when I do that, it comes out for the entire match that India. That? Hmm? How do you calculate that? So just a percentage. So if I look, if I say I think that that catch would have been caught um, only uh, 10% of the time by a decent fielder, then they've saved 90% of twenty of 30 runs. That's 27 runs to the good. Um, so that's how, that's how I calculate it. And when I do that, total for India is they were 71 to the good and Australia were 108 runs to the good. Factoring in that, yes, Australia dropped some catches and, and, you know, Green's one was an absolute sitter. But the two catches that Green caught and the catch that Steve Smith caught were spectacular. Shubman Gill took a very good catch for India as well. They dropped a pretty easy catch on the boundary. Um, So I think sometimes there's more to it than just fielding percentage. And I still think 
Australia is, in my opinion, probably the best fielding side in the world. I'm not sure about the math there, Paul. I always trust your math. <laughs> I'm not sure if we can we quantify catches like that. Um, well, I think if you say that that 30 runs has been throughout the history of the game, that's about what an average batter scores. Uh, if you divide the total number of runs scored by the total number of wickets. So if I take um, an absolute sitter then that everyone would have caught, I should get no credit for that because it's it's not doing anything. But if I take a catch that about 50% of people would have dropped, then that's a ha- half of that. That's 15. If I take a catch that um, pretty much everyone would have dropped, that's 30 runs. Um, if you're interested, um, I wrote a piece about it a few years ago. Harsha Bogle retweeted it with great... Um, with great commendation. Um, okay. And it's kind of similar to what Crickviz do. The big difference between them and me is that they actually take into account how many runs were cost actually in the match. So if you drop someone on two and they go on to get 200, then you've cost yourself 198. And I think mm. that's wrong because it shouldn't take into account um, the, the, the skill of the batter. It should just be a pure fielding measure. And you don't know when you're dropping someone um, how, how good they are necessarily. So uh, anyway, um, I can, um, I can certainly give you more um, information on it offline. If you'd like to, Lisa, it's, 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 a, it's a fascinating topic. Um, Thank you. I, I, I just think Austra- Australia should take the hard ones and the easy ones as well. Like I think, that, yeah, they should. That is traditionally. Yeah. I don't know why they don't, Menace. If you should be the coach, tell them that. I, I, I will. I think. Um. I think it might be symptomatic of our aging team. Perhaps. perhaps. I think it's just a fact of life. Well, I think that as you get into your early thirties, you don't late thirties. Late thirties, your your reflexes aren't not what they used to be. But do you think, though, that could be decisive in this series, the catching? Potentially. And it's also disappointing because we've always prided ourselves on the catches. Like, we've always been a team that has always been pretty Mm. good in that area. I guess for me, I think England won't. I think we'll catch about the same. Like, I don't think England are a great catching side. Mm. I think they're the two best catching sides in the world, probably. All right. Well, we're just going to argue about this. Let's let's move on. So the other big key, I think, as well for England is um, Stokes' left knee. How much can he bowl in this series? Because they're looking at going in with three quicks mm. and then Mo and Ali. They will really need Stokes to be able to bowl fifteen overs a day. Mm. I don't know if they will. I mean, if it's if if the wickets are flat, then I agree with you. And having a look at the edge baston pitch from what we've seen so far of it, the the shots, what's today, um, we're recording this two days before the test. They look. It looks remarkably um, brown compared to what I might have expected. So if it's a really flat um, surface, then potentially they will need something out of Stokes. But I, I think that that um, with Ali and Root can bowl reasonably tightly, I, I don't think he'll, he'll need to bowl as much. And I think, I still think when required, he will be able to bowl the odd decent spell. Jen. Mm. Tend to agree with that. I, I just think if if it turns out after one or two test matches it, he's struggling, then I, I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on England because, you know, you look at their the, their aging bowlers, Broad and Anderson, Woods, no spring chicken. So I, I think if you if you look at the matchup between Green bowling ten or fifteen really good overs a day and keeping all our bowlers fresh, as opposed to what maybe Stokes can offer, I think there's a slight edge for the Aussies there. It's interesting you hear Michael Vaughan talk about the fact that they all are a bit underdone, the English, that um, several of them haven't played much cricket and they've been at the, on the golf course and um, and he's got concerns about that. And it it does seem reasonably well-founded, especially especially if this edge-bastion pitch is going to be 
flat. I don't understand why they would want to produce. Um, I understand why because that's the way that they play. But I think that that's playing into Australia's hands if they produce flat pitches. Someone said there was it Hazel who said that in the last couple of days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that seems to be a. You, well, I said it when we had Norcross that I thought England's best chances were getting us on green tops with maybe if they can get a bit of cloud overhead. You can't control that, but if if that's the situation, then you know that's when someone like Anderson comes into his own and we've and Broad and we've seen what mm. they can do to Australia. Whereas, sort of a dry, patchy pitch that sort of fits into like Smith will just be able to you know, park at one end and you, you won't be able to get him out. I, th- I suppose they're thinking that that will play into the the style of attacking cricket that they're going to play and that players like Duckett and Crawley and Brook will appreciate that. And I, I get that. Um, and it's going to be fascinating because I think that their rampant aggression will be um, a very good way of playing. But I think that in general, um, every batter struggles on a green pitch under overcast conditions. I think Australian batters struggle more than English batters do. And in general, every bowler struggles on flat pitches, but I think Australian bowlers struggle less than English bowlers do. You know, Anderson has been far less effective in Australia. You look at Boland, who has a very, very decent record, often bowling back in the day on, you know, thankless dead pitches at the MCG. Um, if he gets something like that in England, he's, it's, it's nothing different to what he's used to succeeding on. Agree. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about Pat Cummins' captaincy. Oh. You're kidding. (laughs) Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. If you're listening on the podcast. Can we go back to the math and catches? No, so I I want to talk about the the matchup between Stokes and Cummins as captains. And also, I think we've seen in this World Test Championship cycle that when the pressure is really on the Aussie bowlers, sometimes Cap- Cummins' captaincy can be left wanting. And that is that is Basball's tactic. It is all about hitting bowlers off lines, putting off oppositions. And I have a question mark how Cummins will cope with that kind of pressure. Why? Because well, in India, when times got tough, he really struggled. In the first test against India, there was a couple, um, couple of hours there where he seemed to get a bit lost with the field and what to do with his bowlers. Nathan Lyon didn't bowl for hours. I, I think tactically, Cummins is not bad tactically, but when the pressure's really on him, the pressure of being the frontline quick and captain is straining. What about when the convivial nature of the sides drops away and there becomes some rancor between them and the pressure really mounts up and maybe it is flat and Australia's getting nothing and maybe there'll be a temptation to say, well, we've got to try and do something. Um, maybe we should do something to the ball. Um, will he just ignore that and let it happen? Oh, no, that's what Smith did. Um, that was that, That's not handling the pressure. Now, I like Smith. I'm more than happy for him to be the vice captain. He did his, he did his time. Um but I think to keep on saying that Smith was this wonderful captain, the evidence is just not Smith. there to support it. I didn't bring up Smith in this conversation. I did. I, did. I, I, I will say, though, that when I l- reflected on the World Test Championship, I thought, well, we actually won it with Cummins struggling a little bit. So maybe I don't think it's as big of a sort of Stru- burden. Cummins struggling, in your opinion. Well, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, but, well, that's not a fact. Well, You're I, stating it like it's a fact. I think, there's, I think there was a lot of talk that 
second. There was a lot of talk from people you were no, talking I, I, from okay. from you and people you were last, talking to. I think a lot of people said on the last two tests in the Indian series, Smith did a better job tactically on the field. Oh, you got you and your burner account? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, look, I've got no concerns over Pat Cummins and his captaincy. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. I think he'll be able to cope. But do you know why? Do you know why I want to win these Ashes so badly? Like, and really, really win it. Why? So you don't have this bullshit argument anymore. Well, I want us to win the Ashes too. Five I, nil. Yeah, but I think there's a part of you no, that was no, going no, to no, enjoy. Now, no. no, if we if we lose because of Cummins' captaincy, then I will. I will absolutely blow my top. Yeah, but you'll like blowing it. No, 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 no. This is what I said before. Like something's clicked now and it's just all red mist in front of me. Like I, I just want Australia to steamroll them and if Cummins delivers that, everything will be forgotten. I think um, Richie Benno's point is well made that, you know, captaincy's 90% um, luck and 10% ability. And, uh, and then he adds, but don't try it without the 10%. I think when you look at Cummins as 10% in terms of person management, grace, and the, the tone that he sets, Agree. Top, top notch. Uh, when you look at his tactical nows, I think he's slightly below average. I think Smith was slightly below average. I think most of most Agree. cricketers are slightly below average at tactics because why would they be good at tactics when they've spent their whole lives hitting a ball with a stick? No, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Fucking come with the machine gun today. I've offended <laughs> all of England. You've offended every cricketer. Who's listening now? <laughs> but I agree with you. I think Cummins is a fantastic leader, a 10 out of 10 leader, tactically maybe below average, I'd agree. But as a leader of the Australian cricket team, despite what he did to Justin Langer, 10 out of 10. He didn't do anything to Langer. Just knifed him in the back. He did not. <laughs> he didn't. Maybe in the front. No, um, no. So uh, let's keep going anyway. <laughs> I just so jumped up on a podcast. <laughs> are these the podcasts that are enraging you? No, I like that with one. Justin I like that Langer one because it was Langer on it. And um, <laughs> no, I don't want to go by. Didn't those. you send a, Lang- a text message the other day? You didn't like something like or Langer's commentary or something yeah, you said? Yeah, oh, God. Uh, uh, I th- yes, Langer. Really- uh, this is not for public. This is, was private. Like, there's, there's, <laughs> they're like this gets back to JL, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm. And I'm. No, can- no, I I'm you. I unfortunately took my headphones off and was like, had to endure Hayden and Langer during the World Test Championship. And Langer just out of nowhere starts talking about himself, like for no reason, it's like telling of- a story. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Yeah, athletes can do that. I said it all in the last podcast. Anyone who wants to hear my opinion? Go back to the last two, and I, 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 I agree with Menace. <clears throat> all right. So, uh, but Stokes then, we, we talked about Cummins. Mm. Australia hasn't come up against the Stokes England team. What are you expecting, Paul? I'll start with you. I'm absolutely fascinated. I, I, I really don't know um, what to expect. Um, you know, are they going to be advancing down the wicket to Scott Boland in the second over? Um, is, is Stokes going to be making crazy declarations? I think as long as they don't go to a sort of a caricature of it, then I think it's the right way to play. And I think that fearless cricket, which is what they did with their their white ball side after they had the debacle of the 2015 World Cup, that they just played fearlessly. And if they were under, um, you know, if they're five for 50, they said, just keep on going and back yourself. And most of the time it works. Once in a blue moon, you get bowled out for 60, but you probably get bowled out for 60 playing orthodox cricket once in a blue moon anyway. So 
I think it's the right way to play. And um, I think that Stokes is um, a really good captain. And I think that, um, um, yeah, um, I don't know what to expect. And that's part of the, the joy of, um, of, of this Ashes series. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit the same. I, I want to see a bit of, uh, without going over the line, I want to see a bit of aggression um, because I think that will provoke us a little bit more. I don't want to see a conservative too too conservative from from. I don't both think of they them. will. I don't think there's any chance of that happening. I, I hope there's a chance that we could. I, I just what if though in the first two tests, like England gets hammered, like does baseball just disappear? Like if if they if they if they happen to have two shocking tests in a row, and then you've got sixty million palms blowing up, trying to no, like they'll they'll keep going. Because I think they'd say, I agree. You might as well get hanged for a, a lamb as a sheep, or whatever the phrase is. That um, if they suddenly then played conservative cricket, then they probably, you know, after two nil down, they're probably not going to win it playing conservative cricket. Mm. They just get absolutely slated. And I just think that's the way that they that they're going to play. I think he'd say, okay, we've lost two tests, we'll back ourselves to win the final three. Um, you know, let's let's go at it. I really hope it's five nil. Oh, that's what I want. I just want to leave England and like McCullum and Stokes to be out of a job recriminations, inquiries. Um, anyway, on the batting, <laughs> you've got uh, you've got at the top of the order for England, Crawley and Duckett and Pope mm. versus Warner, Kawaja and Labashane. Now, I think if you match the two top threes, just on paper, Australia has a slight advantage. Mm. But as we know, cricket's not played on paper. And if you look at Duckett and Pope's performances in the last year or so under Basball, they're completely different cricketers to what Australia's faced in the past. So I don't know, Jaleesa, what do you think of that? Uh, I was would have been concerned with our batting lineup um, probably maybe six, eight months ago. Um, but since David Warner in particular has kind of sort of found his groove again, I I reckon we look good. I you like, like it. I like it a lot. Paul, what do you think of uh, England v Australia's top three? I um, didn't really have a lot of time for Duckett until I've looked into it, and his stats have really impressed me. He's got um, you know, first-class average of 43, which in English conditions is pretty good. And you look back over his first-class seasons in England over the years, he's averaging 52, 58, 56, 77, 58. There are some other lower averages in there, but to me that shows that he's got a very high upside. So I actually... Um, I actually am um, a little bit fearful of him. I don't, I can't see Crawley. Um, Crawley seems like a bloke, a bloke who could potentially score a, a lovely hundred. And then I don't think he'd do much for the rest of the series because his overall record is, um, you know, vastly inferior. And I don't know why they're picking um, Crawley, to be honest. Um, you know, he just doesn't look um, as good. He's got a test average of about 30. But Ollie Pope, I think he's another really good player. So, mm. um, you know, spoiler alert, but in the, um, sorry. I've always been a fan of Ollie Pope. Yeah, I think he's pretty good, and I think he's getting better. And um, I did my rankings for it, Menas. You'll be interested. I gave um, the Aussie top three um, 21 and a half total, and I gave the English top three um, 21. So I've got it almost out of line 30? Ball. Yeah, out of 30. And it's um, so I gave Duckett eight, Crawley four and a half, and Pope eight and a half. And I've given Warner six, Kawaja six, Labashay nine and a half. Um, on another day, I'd probably give different figures, so don't read too much into it. But that's um, that's how I've come up with it. <laughs> I like it. And, and then you move down the order for both teams. So Smith and Root match up really well at yep. four. I, I think obviously Smith's a better player, but Root 
Root has the ability to score four centuries in a series and be the rock that England bats around, which they'll need if they're going to be slogging everything. Yeah. They need someone in there. So that's a good matchup for England. Do the, do the stats, I'm interested if the stats support my feeling, Paul, that Root has probably been in a bit better form than Smith in the last little while. Um, that's a good question. I think that um, looking at um, Root, he had a slight drop in productivity around about the kind of 2018-19 mark. But since then, he has uh, roared back. But so is Smith. I, I tend to think that the, the Smith of 18 months ago was a, was not as good a player as the Smith of now. I think they're both, um, you know, right at the top of their games. Um, and, yeah, I think I agree with what Menace said. They line up um, uh, pretty much a dead heat between them. What did I give them? I gave um, Smith 10 and Root 9.5. Yeah, very close. Good marks. And Thank then you. You, you've got uh, Stokes and Head, and I think they actually do match up pretty well. I think Head's going to do better. Mm. Uh, I, I think, I don't know, like, will we get the responsible Stokes or will we get the Stokes that just slogs everything? Because if we get the, the Stokes that actually digs in, that's the Stokes I'm worried about. Yeah, I, w- I would suspect that maybe we'd get more of the Stokes that slogs everything. Mm, yeah, well, that's going to blow up in his face. I think we should get the, the in-between. I think that that's the, the smart way for him to play. I think that, um, you know, that's um, – it's self-evident. But, um, you know, his record – he's this, he's a sort of a mercurial player. Like he's um, – at his best, he's a match winner. But his overall stats – I haven't checked it these days, but it used to be that in first-class cricket, Chris Wokes actually had a better – had a better all-round record um, than Ben Stokes. Uh, so I don't think he's quite as good a batter as people think. But on his day, he's obviously – an absolute superstar and match winner. I'm concerned for Harry Brook. I think this is going to be a really big test for him. England number six, who's just taken to test cricket by storm. I think Green will outplay Brook at six, and I think it'll be decisive. I think Brook's going to struggle. Brook is a very intriguing character. Um, You look at his record and it was pretty modest, and then – Suddenly, in 2022, it's just gone berserk. He averaged 97.9 in that series, first-class cricket in England that year. Went to New Zealand and all first-class cricket averaged 82. Then back to Pakistan, averaged 94, albeit on very you know flat pitches in Pakistan. Got 100 in the IPL, but for the rest of the time, failed. Um, I don't know what to expect from him. Um, I just find him very, very difficult to line up. Wouldn't surprise me if he got... Um, single-figure scores in every innings, and it wouldn't surprise me if he became the player of the series or, or anything in between. I can't pick him. I don't know enough about him. I think Lyon could match up well against Brook, but then this is where I think it's interesting. Bairstow at seven and potentially Moe and Ali at eight, and that's a long batting lineup, longer than Australia's. Yeah. So I'm not concerned about it because I think Australia's bowling attack will just slice through them, but... If you're England, like if you can just hang in there and Bearstow and Ali counterattack, like they're not expecting to get four fifty five hundred. Mm. They want to get 300, 350 on the on the board and then stick us in to bat. Last summer in England, Bearstow was just unbelievable. Um, he was batting like Bradman, uh, and that was off the back of he'd had a bit of a dip in the sort of the late teens, um, but it come surging back more recently. It was a very unfortunate in injury um, this season so far. Um, he's only had uh, a couple of innings, but he's averaging 27.6. So can he recapture the form of um, of last summer? If he can, 
then he's a superstar. Um, if he can't, well, uh, he's not. <laughs> well, his record as a wicketkeeper batter is a lot worse than when he just bats. And I know Paul doesn't pay any attention to that. But I actually think one disadvantage to Bairstow at seven is he can't make a, enough of an imprint on the game. Like at four or five, mm. you can dominate a game. Mm. You can come out and change a game. If you come come in and the team's already way behind, sure, you can counterattack, but I don't know. I, I kind of would have liked him if I was England up higher where he can really put his imprint on the game. Yeah, I agree. Thank I, you. I, I agree and disagree. I agree that they should have batted him higher because the last thing they want is him 80 not out um, batting brilliantly. But yeah. I don't agree that whether he's got the gloves or not uh, makes a difference. So I think that's like, you know, whether Jupiter's rising over um, Saturn and Taurus or whatever. It's like, you know, astrology. Hashtag Kriegnid. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so then we get into the England bowling attack. And if you look at this Edgbaston test, they do have some good bowlers to pick from. Anderson, Broad, Wood, Ollie Robinson, Chris Wokes. And then they've got Liam Potts and uh, Tung as um, – Backups. I wonder who they'll go for in that first test. I'd like to see Broad, Anderson, and probably Ollie Robinson for them. I think that's their best attack. I know they like Wood to come in and hurry the batters up, but I actually think that Australia will be more worried about Anderson and Broad. Like you've mm. got to have Broad against Warner because yes. if Broad gets in twice in that first test match, that could just knock Warner out for the mm. series. Whereas if he's not there and Warner gets off to a flyer and gets some runs, then maybe you can't stop him. I get so excited about their bowling. Uh, um, really? Yeah, I get really excited. I've just always been a big Stuart Broad fan just for the theatre that he brings and um, Anderson as well. But I find their bowling much more exciting than ours just for, for the damage that oh. they can do. Cummins and Stark not as exciting as Anderson and Broad. Uh, I just think there's a lot of venom behind particularly Broad uh, and that whole rivalry with Warner. I just It's just exciting. I like how Anderson said before the series he actually gets into a mindset where he starts to not like the Aussies. and he, 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 he It's very you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I respect that. I can't believe we're sitting here talking about Anderson and Broad for another Ashes. Either can I. I cannot Believe it. It's, it's pretty actually incredible. incredible. It's wonderful. It's, you know, um, yeah. Uh, I hope Jimmy Anderson, I hope this is not his last series. Like every year that he continues, it was a bit like Tom Brady. It makes me feel better about my own age. You know, he's younger <laughs> than me, but it's kind of like, um, I, yeah, I hope he keeps on going. Um, good luck to him. And yeah. he's bowling better than he's ever bowled before. Uh, and, and Broad is bowling really well. Um, I, I, I really do rate Robinson. Um, you know, he, by all accounts, he was not as fit as he possibly could have been in Australia. Um, but he's still in the first class games, they're average 25.5. Um, some of his records in, in various different seasons in England, you know, he's got incredible, like I'll just read out his averages each season he's played in England, 24, 21, 17, 18, 12, 17, 15, and 13. That's his current average this year. Um, his last game, he took five wickets. The game before that, he took 14 wickets. Um, his shapes to me is, I honestly think if I had to just pick my combined Ashes side, uh, he would probably be the first bowler I'd pick, I think, at this stage. He's a very good bowler. Very, very good bowler. And obviously England are really going to miss Jack Leach. But, again, they have a bit of a decision to make around who they pick for that first test. All right, I want to sort of pick up on a couple of issues for the Aussies. 
I, I mentioned Cummins on field captaincy. I'm not going to mention that again, but good. <laughs> one thing that I think, and let me think, I think Australia's going to win this battle, but I think England are going to come hard at Nathan Lyon. And they're going to try and hit him out of the attack. I think they'll have some, some success in patches, but I think the fact that we've got Cameron Green as a fourth bowler means it gets a bit hot out there for Lyon. They don't have to bowl him for for a while, and they can rotate the quicks around. Well, we've also got um, Smith and Labajane as well. Yeah, but if they're hitting Lyon out of the attack, they're probably hitting Marnus's nude nuts as well. But sometimes and they, head. you know, how sometimes it can just take a, a really random bowler that you could underestimate, mm. and they find they find that just unplayable. Yeah, I but agree I, with I, just, I think that they. I, yeah, that's a point. They're, they're reluctant. Sometimes if there's a specialist spinner in the side, then they're reluctant to give the part-timer a bowl because okay. it seems. Go on. So yeah, I'm listening. Um, so they're, they're reluctant to give the part-timer a bowl because it seems like, well, you've got the spinner in there. Why would you be giving the part-timer a bowl? But four or five overs here and there, um, you know, Labashane took the crucial second last wicket of the match that won us the Ashes back in um, in 2019. So, um, yeah, I think that Labashane and Head should be given a couple of more overs than they might be going to be. Yeah, I just think Green gives Australia that extra potency and nullifies. You've just got an extra bowler. So if one bowler has a bad day, whether it's Lyon or Stark, you've just got enough cover that you're going to be fine. And I think that's going to, I think that's going to nullify Basball a lot. Like I, I just don't think they're going to be able to score as quickly as they have against other sides. Um, I do think it's, okay. it's going to come down to what the pitch does as well. That if if it is a brown pitch, then Lyon will really come into his own. If Australia get to bat first and, you know, we get to bowl in the second innings, then it could be, a um, you know, the comments on Twitter at the moment below the picture of the pitcher from everyone saying bat first, win the game kind of thing, which, um, as I said, it's not what I expected. The Edgebaston wicket so far this season, only one side has got a good score. Um, in the first, there's been three games. The first game, Warwickshire got a 450. Pretty much every other side has struggled. Um, so... I think this pitch looks a little bit different to maybe what those pitches would have looked like. All right. Now the very big question. I'm going to start with you, Jaleesa. Which three fast bowlers for Australia line up at Edgbaston? Who are you leaving out? I'm leaving out Josh Hazelwood. Hazelnut dropped. Yeah. I don't think he will be. And I base that um, mainly because he did the media. And they they rarely get a player to do the – presser ahead of the game when it's when they're not going to play. Admittedly, Boland did the media yesterday. I know that was a, a carried over interview. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that was the difference. It was carried over interview. Um, yeah, I, I'm leaving Hazelwood out. And the reason is because he just has not had enough cricket where he hasn't been injured and we cannot risk straight up our bowlers. Paul, who are you picking? Well, my first bowler pick that I pick is Boland. Um, I don't think they will drop him. But if they leave Boland out of the first test, then I think that is really, really poor. And um, I'd be really questioning their judgment. But I, I would be picking Boland and Cummins. Um, I probably would then be going with Hazelwood if he was, you know, if I could be guaranteed that he was not going to break down. And obviously, I don't know that. But, you know, um, if there's a, a feeling that he's 100% right, then I'd pick him. If he's anything short of 100% right, then I wouldn't risk him and I would then pick Nisa. Um, and he's, I think that... He's not 100%. And I think if they try and sell that, I, I just... He's not. I mean, he hasn't... 
he has been struggling in the last few. He hasn't few played weeks. any first class cricket. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be sort of saying that if you pick him, then you accept that if he breaks down during the game, you're all sacked as selectors. That's what I'd be saying. That's what you've got to do. You pick him, you put your careers on the line. And if you've got any, and if you're not willing to do that, then hold him back. And there are plenty of other test matches that he can play in. Um, I would pick Nisa over Stark narrowly. Um, I like Stark a lot and he didn't have a terrible game in the first match. He got four wickets, including Coley and Rahani, who are their two most destructive batsmen during the game. He did go at a, um, a lot of runs per over. Uh, he got some valuable runs in the, in the second inning. So I totally acknowledge that if they pick him, he could be man of the match at Edgerston. And I, I'd be cheering him on for that. But I just think on balance, uh, if you can't pick Hazelwood, I think that um, Cummins, Boland and Nisa are my three. And I get men as the point that you might make. And that is that they are very similar. And, I accept that's that. And, I was about to make. <laughs> um, I, I accept that's a point, and you know, if especially if the pitch turns out to be as flat as can be, and you could sort of think, and if, especially if it's abrasive, and you think, oh, it would be really nice to have Stark to um, get some reverse swing to take the pitch out of mm -hmm. it. Plus, his foot marks will help um, Nathan Long. I'm actually starting to talk myself into picking Stark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's all that as well. Hang on a minute. Um, but I don't mind the fact that they're all a bit same. Like, you know, if I had three Glenn McGraths, I'd pick three Glenn McGraths and say, sorry, Jason Gillespie and Brett Lee, I'm, I'm picking three Glenn McGraths. So <gasps> I don't mind that there, there's a similarity there. Um, and I just could imagine Cummins, Nisa and um, Boland and Green being very, very difficult for them to get away. And sure, they might play some outlandish shots and hit a few, um, hit a few boundaries, but eventually I think that they'd probably find that they come unstuck. Stark, could come in and run through them. He could come in and do a little bit what he did like in the in the first test in, in the World Test Championship and, and go the journey. Um, so on balance, I wouldn't pick Stark, but don't cut this up into a TikTok minute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like a I don't like a side that has Boland and Hazelwood in it. Ooh. I just find them, those two in particular, too similar. I I think Boland's actually like different. To, I, I actually think like Hazelwood and Cummins are more similar. Really? Mm. I uh, I was listening to, I think Ju Justin Langer in the commentary was saying, you know, I, th I think it was Justin Langer. I hate if I pin this on him and it's not, but I think it was him that was saying, no, you pick Hazelwood over Boland. He's the, you know. I've heard a few times he's that. He's in the incumbent sort of thing. I've heard a few I times. I hate that, that mentality. Boland's never been picked when Hazelwood's fit. That's why they keep trying out. I hate that mentality. I, uh, Cricket Australia it, is too loyal. Too well, the loyal. Selectors. The selectors. It's not Nick Hockley and like they're not well, debating this. No, sorry. Well, George ob Bailey. Obviously, pin I mean, it on Bailey. Obviously, I mean the selectors. I'm not talking about the media yeah, team. Pin it I'm not on talking, Bailey. I'm not talking about the whole of the organisation. Okay. I'm ta not talking about the receptionist. I'm not. Ta I'm talking just, obviously the about selectors, the selectors. Yes. Are too loyal, and too much weight is put on incumbents in general. Okay. I um, completely I agree my, with Jaleesa. Can I um, pick mine? No. No, I just want to make my point in response to Jaleesa's. Right. Calm down, um, Minutes. You'll get a chance. Um, I think that the selectors are using that hierarchy as a kind of a cop-out from making a hard decision. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading Alex Ferguson's autobiography when he was manager of Aberdeen in, um, back before Manchester United, and they played a, a crucial game. And... Um, Stop looking frustrated, Menace. No, no, because um, Lang had told a Ferguson story that I'm going to tell when you're finished. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I, I withdraw that remark. <laughs> yeah. um, and he made the point that the, the goalkeeper going into the final had got them there, was the beloved of all of Aberdeen. And he sort of said, but um, 
you know, I realized that he possibly wasn't the right person for the for the team and a few different things. And he said, but it all came down to one thing. Who is going to give us a greater chance of winning? And it's the reserve goalkeeper. I dropped the goal, I dropped the top goalkeeper. He never spoke to me again, and his wife never spoke to me again. And I'm sad for that, but I still maintain I do the right thing. I don't think that um Bailey and and, and Co. have as not they're not invested in it as much as they should be. I've always said this. They should be like forced to put their house on the game. And if they're gonna put their house <laughs> no, on the game. No, we said jail time. Yeah, yeah jail time as well. Jail. At the moment. Now bowling could bowl terribly and get smashed everywhere, but at the moment, if you're gonna put your life on the line, you'd be picking Boland before any other bowler in the Australian side. All right. So I'll give you my reasoning for the who I'm gonna pick. Cummins because he's captain first picked. I'm I never going, agree with that either, but continue. I'm yeah, going with Scott Boland, and then I've got Mitchell Stark. And the reason I'm going with the same attack is because Australia have a good advantage that not often we get a game to warm up, get some overs in the legs, get used to the conditions. Hazelwood, through injury, didn't have that opportunity. So you may as well keep him because you're going to rotate the bowlers. So keep him for the second or third test. Let him build up his loads in the nets. Then you've got three bowlers that have actually got match fitness in the legs, no unknowns, and I think Stark matches up really well with Basball because he's not a length bowler. He can bowl Yorkers. Mm. He can bowl short balls. He's unpredictable, whereas I think they will try and knock Boland, Cummins, and Hazelwood when he plays off their lines. They'll bat out of their crease. They'll charge um, the bowlers, whereas you try charging Mitchell Stark. Yeah. Left arm quick, bowling bounces. Not easy. So I'd love to see him in the first test. Um, so I'm going with an unchanged team. As much as I like Hazelwood, I think Hazelwood is a better bowler than Boland. I, I, I just think he is, but um, he hasn't got any match fitness and I'm not taking that risk of starting the Ashes with him. But if you're going to pick the player who's been, um, you know, had match practice, Nice has had more than all of them. Yeah, but the, the other three have had match practice as well. Yeah, they've had one game. But yeah, well, that's had enough. Lots. They won. That's that's good. Lots of overs. I think um, I disagree in terms of Stark and Basball. I think if anyone's likely to get taken to the cleaners by Basball, it's Stark. I mean, yeah, I could see him taking wickets as well, but I could see him going at eight and over. Isn't that just Stark though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I can see Stark taking like four really big wickets and and still going at a few, but you need them. And you brought it up. You know, they were big wickets in the World Test Championship. I like it. I still think he had a poor game with the ball. Um, he got two big wickets, two tailenders, and he went at six, five and six and over. I think if we'd had an entire bowling attack of Mitchell Stark, we would have lost the game. Well, no one's saying pick three left armers. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break because we've got to get through some listener questions before we wrap this up. All right, welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. It's our Do you Ashes think anyone preview. watching live walks away during that? No, and then they hear no, us talking. There's like again. eight people watching and live, Jalisa. <laughs> and, and they're used to it by now. And I, I do it really quickly. Aren't I a pro at that? Like, if you're watching on YouTube, it's like it never happened. Like, anyway. Okay. Hey, before we get to it, I'll give you my spreadsheet quickly. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah. Do you want that the individual ones or just go straight to the total? Walk past that on purpose, but whatever. Hello, Raj, if you're listening. I'll go straight to the total or you want the individuals? Uh, you got to give us the individuals. You get, What's okay. the spreadsheet? On what? Just, so just for, we, Paul rates every player and then a couple of other things and we get a total mark. Very yeah. Fox Sports News. <laughs> so out of 10 for the batters, Warner 6, Kawaja 6, Labashade 9.5, Smith 10, 
Head eight and a half, Green six and a half, Carey seven and a half, Stark four, and then a combined Cummins, Line, and Boland of 1.5. That gives us a total of 59 and a half for England. Duck at eight, Crawley four and a half, Pope eight and a half, Root nine and a half, Brook eight, Stoke seven, Besto nine, Alley six and a half, Broad, Robinson, Anderson, a combined total of two. That gives them 63, a slight edge. And bowling uh, out of 20, <laughs> Cummins, what are you laughing at? Slight edge with the batting for England. Go on. Mate, the figures are what the figures are. Yeah, you rate them, though. They're, they're subjective ratings. No, no. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying this is um, uh, any more than just a bit of a fun exercise. Uh, so, bowling out of 20. That's fun Cummins, for me. Cummins, 17 and a half. Boland, 18 and a half. Stark, 15. Lyon, 15. The final bowler gets a rating out of 10. That's green with eight. So, 74 for the Aussies. And for England, Anderson, 18. Broad, 17 and a half. Robinson, 19. Alley, 13 and a half. Stokes plus Root, 7 out of 10. Total, 75. They beat us by one in the bowling. Fielding, I give the Aussies 9.5. I give England 8. One percenters, I've listened to you men as I've dropped the Australians to 6. And I give the English 10. So overall, out of 200, Australia gets 149. England, 156. So it's almost a dead heat. Uh, I would say that if you did a, if they were correct and you did 1,000 simulations, England would win, you know, 510 and Australia would win 490. But obviously it comes down to who performs on the day and who gets the better of the conditions. Thank you. <laughs> that the worst marks I've ever heard. Thank all right, you. let's get Thank into you the for listening to questions. Paul's TED Talk. Let's get into listening <laughs> questions. Uh, all right, first one from Kevin. Well, he's hi, Menes. I'd love to know your predictions for the Ashes, but we're going to go through everyone. I'll start. Top run scorer for either side, Steve Smith. I mean, that's just a, a gimme because he's just so good in English conditions. I, I sort of think something like a Cameron Green at six might be a smoky. Can I get, put a smoky in there? Yeah, top run Travis scorer. Head. Well, it's not a smoky. I mean, it's like no, but, would, no but everyone would say Steve Smith. Or, okay. You okay. Know. What about you, Paul? Who's the leading run scorer for both teams? Like, what do you mean a smoky? Well, I'm not going to go Cummins, am I? Like, No, that's true. Um, for me, for both teams, um, I green. That's not really a smoky. Go on. I Jesus, I don't know. I'm gonna go, um, Ollie Pope. Yeah, I like it. I knew you'd go something outrageous. Um, all right, top wicket taker <laughs> for either side. Hi, England Robinson. England Robinson, like it, Jaleesa. This one you won't agree with. I'm gonna go Stark. I'm. I'm gonna. I reckon he's going to have a blinder. I love it because the, I love it. The conditions will suit him. It, it could happen. I think it could go either way. It could be disastrous, mm. but I want him so badly to do so well. Yeah. The sensible thing for me is Pat Cummins because he'll likely play four or five of the tests, so then he'll probably take most of the wickets. Mm. But I actually think someone like Cameron Green, I said him with the bat, but also with the ball, unless he gets injured, he will play all five tests. And he might be the only fast bowler for Australia that does that. Mm. You know, he might take ball. 20 wickets and be the leading wicket taker for Australia. Might not to get big the series ball. though. Big call. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. I think it's going to be hard for him to get the number of overs to be best bowler of the series. But if he starts to dominate, they'll give him the ball more and more. I'll take the, I'll take Scott Boland as mine. Love it. I love that. Right now, the series result. Mm. Jaleesa, what is yours? 3-2. Who? Oz. Like it. Paul? 3-2, England. <gasps> oh, all right. Nightmare time. I'm going – I think it'll be 4 or 5 nil Australia. So I'll go 5 nil because I don't think uh, 
Basball plays for draws. Oh, I uh, no, 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 no. This is not some McGrath. I got. I've no, no, been no, up. You you're not listening to me. I get yeah. scared when you make predictions like that because you're always wrong. What <laughs> <laughs> a bone to pick with you. Okay, well, okay, listeners. So we had to do a promo for this new network, and Julissa oh. records this bit. Oh, and come and listen to Mena's insane attention-seeking cricket opinions, which I edited out swiftly. That was the best I, part okay. of the promo. Which of your co-host says Tim David should open the batting, Glenn Maxwell should open the batting, wicket-keeping doesn't matter, batting orders doesn't matter, captaincy doesn't matter. Which of your co-hosts does that? Whoever he is, he's smart, that guy. Yeah. That's, that's some good points, Menace. Which is my, which of my co-hosts is just, you know why you don't have, say any of those things? Because you're too busy, like, Slamming Pat Cummins. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And that's all. That's all. That's all you are. I'm going to find all the articles of people talking about Pat Cummins' captaincy in India and just send them to you after this. All I'm saying is, what, see, well, maybe sick. both your that's hosts. Sick. Maybe he says insane cricket opinions too. Like, can you next time at least say both my co-hosts are insane? You took that bit out. That was the best bit. Okay, Jason, you're in Channel Ten. If I give you a brief for 25 seconds and it's 45 seconds, something has to go. So, of course, yeah. Well. The end bit. <laughs> what you should have done, Menas, is kept that bit in and just duplicated it eight times and just had yes. that as the yeah. entire preview. I'm sure they would have loved I, I didn't kind of realise that it might have hurt you, that statement, but I, I, as soon as I heard Jaleesa's preview, I just replied saying, that's fantastic. We shouldn't bother recording our own because we can't do as good. And then it's like after she bagged the living hell out of Menas. I, I don't mind that. All I'm saying is I'm oh, not the one saying Tim David should open the batting in Test cricket. The fact that I called you an insane attention seeker, <laughs> that would have just played right in for you. You would have loved that. I bet I you, so I bet you've played that promo no. over and over I just keep thinking about little Paul Dennett over here just scooting by <laughs> with his insane cricket opinions <laughs> flying under the radar and I get labelled with the, the shit. All I'll say is that my comments around Tim David I can imagine if we had done a podcast in 2009, we'd have would have had exactly the same debate about David Warner, and you would have said, "There's no way he can ever play Test cricket." I would not have. You would well, have. I'm, I would not have. Absolutely not. All right now. Um. Okay, <laughs> I just finish on that five nil. Look, not hyperbolic or, or sort of a Glenn McGrath. Whenever I look at the questions that Australia have to face, I think they've got an answer. And obviously cricket is not played on paper. So a lot of the players could have stinkers and therefore we lose. But just every everything that I think is England's going to throw at Australia, I think we're going to be able to cope with. I love where the team is at in terms of like they're very calm, they're very measured, and I think that's going to play really well against Basball because one thing that McDonald and Cummins have brought to them is not a very reactive team. They're just going to soak it up and play their game. I think we're going to smash them, and I think England are due for a shellacking. <laughs> All right, next question. Jack Clifton. Go on. No, no, we've done our breaks. In regards okay. to the four quick bowling options, will it come down to a case of what bowlers best suit the conditions, or do some quicks have more value regardless of playing conditions? I think this comes down to a little bit of what we were saying before. I think it should just come down to the conditions, but I think the value of incumbents, the value of um, Cummins being captain, which I don't also think should play into it, I think all of that gets taken into account, and I don't agree that it should. I also think it comes down to the length of the test matches. Like if these test matches go into the fifth day, then they will have to 
rotate the bowlers. Oh, they have to. Yeah, there's no doubt. Next question. Martin Lawrence, I know England is struggling to find a spinner without Leach. Could we see an all-pace lineup? Paul, what do you think? Do you think they'll pick Ali or? I think if they'd prepared a pitch that was similar to what English pitches had been in the past, then an all-pace lineup would have made sense. Like Chris Wokes instead of Ali, I think, would 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 match up very well. However, um, if this first pitch, and who knows when you're talking about a pitch a couple of days out, it can it can change character. Um, but it's hard to say getting much greener between now and then, I would have thought. So if that's the sort of pitch that they're going to produce, then I'd be um, I'd be in favour of a spinner. And I, I think that um, Ali, although his recent um, four-day cricket or Red Bull cricket has been very, very hardly any, um, I still think he's a very good player. And I think that he's done enough with bat and ball in white ball cricket to say that he could still um, he could still do a job. I mean, Leach has um, uh, a test record of an average of 34 with the ball, um, uh, 28 in first-class cricket. It's not bad, but I don't think Leach's injury is anywhere near the blow that England are talking about. Well, Leach has played a holding role for the team, much like Lyon does. I, I guess... Moen Ali does match up pretty well against Travis Head. He has had a weakness sometimes against good off spin. So that could be an area, just a one-on-one matchup. I think, though, if you've got three quicks in Ali, and that's where I was saying before, then you need Stokes. So I know you think the part-timers might be able to bowl, but, yeah, I, I could see them actually dropping Ali and picking four quicks. I think that would be a huge mistake. Mitchell Hall, if England lose the first test, do they have any surprise packets waiting in the wings? Paul is probably best or yourself probably best place for this. I, I definitely haven't watched enough of their lower grade. Well, they've got some, um, they've got some decent um, bowlers in the wings. Matthew Potts um, is the sort of bowler that could do well against Australia. He's a um, very English style of bowler. I think that he could be um, handy. We mentioned Chris Wokes. So, you know, he's always someone that Australia in England has found um, particularly difficult. Uh, we touched on Mark Wood. I think that uh, he might play a part at some point, although I don't think he's quite as effective against Australia as as maybe he is against other sides in English conditions. Um, and there's Tung, um, Josh Tung, who did well against Ireland. Um, you know, his record's reasonably okay. It's not amazing, uh, but he obviously can bowl as well. So I think there's a there's a few possibilities. There's a few possibilities there. Um, as for the batting. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't think they Dan bought Lawrence. Many there's Dan yeah, Lawrence. Dan Lawrence I don't, yeah. He's in the squad. But I, I think that's where you can see they're struggling in the top order because they did talk about Stokes opening the batting <clears> to bring Bairstow up. So I think that's something you might see. What about um, oh, names gone out of my head, you know, was playing for the Thunder, Alex. Um, Alex Hales? Yeah. He plays baseball, but I don't know if he's in their test calculations. Well, is it only because he's had a bit of a checkered pass that he's never really been in the test? I don't think he's been part of the Red Bull squad for a while. But no, he hasn't. But is it? But I mean, it was because of that, right? So why? Would I think that's why he wasn't that? in the White Ball squad. I think he was a little bit further away from their Red Bull squad, regardless right. of the. Um, he's not the worst. Um, there's also Liam Livingston. There's Joss Butler. Oh, yeah. um, there's, um, you know. A, a couple of guys there that could be okay, but um, and they're the sort of players that um, you would think that they really like. Um, but I, I think that they're going to go with a. I think their their lineup's fairly settled in terms of their top uh, their top seven Agreed. anyway. 
All right, Aiden, is there pressure on Marnus to score a century this season? He's only scored one century outside of Australia in international cricket. Aiden, no, he averages 60 almost at test level. There's no pressure on him to score a century. I think Australia needs him to perform well, but performing well in England can be batting through a couple of tough sessions while the ball's moving around. So I don't think there's pressure to score a century, no. No, I think there's no pressure on anyone if we're winning. That's it, especially not when you're scoring that many. I think a century for David Warner would be good. And Aiden has asked how many runs will Warner need to make in Edgbaston to respect, retain his spot in the team. What do you think, Jaleesa? I think that comes down to the overall result. Mm. If we win, I don't think it's uh, it's really taken into account much at all. Uh, a loss, well, I guess it depends on how everyone else performed. No, you're lot, right. It, you can't, you're right. If we lose, then. You can't really put a number on it. No. What do you think, Paul? What does he need to do? Yeah, I agree with Jaleesa that the, the, the results come into it as well. Like, you know, um, if he has a similar game to this first one where he gets, um, you know, a few runs without dominating, but Australia win, then I think that'll be that'll be fine. If Australia get absolutely rolled and he fails, then I think that that's when it starts to crystallise. But uh, I've said it before. I'm not convinced that the alternatives are going to do um, necessarily any better. Just back on that on um, Labashain, I agree there's no necessarily great pressure for him to score 100, but if he's going to be talked about as one of the, you know, uh, borderline all-time great in the years to come or actually fully fledged all-time great his home record at the moment averaging 70.5 which is just incredible and his away record averaging 39.4 so there's not pressure in the sense that if he doesn't score hundreds he's going to get dropped but for him to really move into that um that pantheon of the of the superstars um you know a, a decent ashes series can't do him any harm by the way, I'm back in Warner to have a big series. I think he's got one left in him. I, I, I'm <clears> going to put him in for, say, at least 350 runs in the series. Flat pitches, he's going to come out and swing the bat. I think he's going to be decisive. I think he's going to have a much better series than Kawaja. And, and I think Warner will we'll all be there at the SCG clapping him off. I think that is a very interesting element to it, the fact that he said that. I liked that he put a timeline on his retirement, but it felt almost like, pressure on the selectors to keep it going until then. Mm. Um, so I don't think that they should be pressured by that. I think the selectors, yeah, that they, if they if he makes it all the way to the test before Sydney and on balance 51-49, they think he's not the right player to be picked in Sydney, drop him. It's not a kindergarten. Oh. It's a professional sport. Um, there's not, you know, don't give him a fair way. I like him. I'd pick him. But if they well, make the honest judgment. The NRL. <laughs> Have you have you followed the Canberra Raiders, Jared Croker? <laughs> I'm too scared to answer that because Meta's might um, play the um the sound that he's got that if I speak. Can't reach it. Don't worry. No, but I, I just don't see why why would you not pick your best side and um, yeah, I feel you. No concept of a farewell mm. test. Okay, mm. but what if? Okay, well I'm backing Warner to come good, and then it won't. So be am I. I think he might, and I um. I hope he does. I, I think it is a bit bizarre if they do. Um, dish up a, a, a number of very flat pitches. I think he's really becomes dangerous mm. there. Yep. Five mils coming. Uh, a couple <laughs> more questions and we'll wrap this up. Chin Music, are you concerned by the length of the tail if Stark or Nisa don't play? Then you would have, what, Carey, Cummins, Boland, Lyon, Hazelwood or Nisa. No, he said if Nisa doesn't play, um, oh, yeah, yeah that, that would be the tail. And, yeah, that's a long tail. Um, I am a bit concerned about that. Okay. Good I question. am too. Great question. 
Two slips in a gully podcast. There you go. You got your plug. Um, <laughs> concerns over Stark's form. Do we play Boland and Hoff? We went through that one. Concerns over our ability to peg the runs back. India scored pretty freely at times. You two have any concerns about that? I, I, my only concern, you know, without trying to um, hammer him, is Stark. Um, I think that the others are the others will only go the journey if it's a real flat pitch. But in Stark's defence, um, pick him for his batting at the moment. I heard the stat that in England in Test matches, Stark averages more than Kawaja and Warner with the bat. Mm. Well, there, is there, that true? There's a question mm-hmm. here. Uzi looked extremely tentative at times, which is what led him to getting in trouble in 2019. Sorry, I'm just reeling. Yeah, from so that. Stark Kawaja only averages like 18 in England in Test cricket. So I'm actually about 20 concerned about and Stark's, I think, low 20s. Sorry, so he averages more than who's? More, uh, um... Stark more than Warner and Kawaja. More than yeah. Warner? Yep. Yeah. Well, scoring Tim David, nine Tim David might as well, if he was over there. Here we go. <laughs> um, I, that's revolutionary. So I, I think Warner will have a Pick much better series alone. Kawaja. Open the batting with Stark. Yeah. Open the batting. <laughs> and we can keep his reach. He's fantastic oh, as a keeper. <laughs> um, what have you done? It's still useless at DRS. That's not a question. That's just a statement from two slips in the gully. I guess the one thing that has changed since, say, the last dashes is an extra review now. So you, you have to be really bad at DRS to stuff it up now. And look, every chance Cummins stuffs up a couple. He's been bowling a lot. He's tired. But... Um, hopefully Smith talks some sense into him, but I'm not as worried. Whoever as the... tells him to review it is, you know, yeah. there's a whole team out there, man. Exactly. Mm, I was yeah, impressed so... with Rohit Sharma in, in that regard. I think the Australians are too nervous about not taking a review and then finding out that it was out. Of course, that's a disaster. But I think they should say, if we go through the entire series and we do have one or two that end up being like that, maybe that's where we need to be aiming for because all the frivolous ones that we're um, currently um, doing are not helping us. All right. Well, um, that is all for the listener questions. We're going to finish this with can't let it go, which is that little bit of cricket news. You just can't let go through to the keeper. I've been holding on to this one for a week. And yeah, I- you were you were right straight on the text about, we don't know what it is, but you were saying you can't wait for can't let it go. This, this backs up Paul's theory about cricketers hating cricket. So... Adam Zampa Zampa was interviewed the day before the World Test Championship final and was asked about it, and he didn't know who was playing. No, that's not true. That's true. He said, and they said, and then he said, oh, I'm excited for the Ashes, which every Aussie says. You don't even like cricket and you say that. And I'm thinking, God, if I'm like an Aussie teammate, if I'm like, go back and find it. It's on SEM somewhere. No, I don't like that. And then Josh Hazelwood today was asked about Bazball. You would have heard this. He said, I don't watch much test cricket. Yeah. Like basically, I haven't really seen England play. Yeah. Paul, any thoughts about that? I I like the honesty, but that's mad. It is not yet a crime to not like cricket. Um, I have to state that to begin with. It is not yet. Um, So I appreciate the honesty of them. But the only thing thing I'll say is don't say that and then rock up in the commentary box in years to come. That's exactly what I was going to say. an insult. Glenn McGrath was interviewed recently for the the BBC podcast and they were talking about the 2005 series, and he was making the point that he doesn't watch a lot of cricket. And that's absolutely fine. How dare you go into the commentary box there? You know, get out of there. Um, They look down upon those who watch cricket, and that's fine, but don't Mm. try and earn a living out of it. Um, You know, Jeff Thompson was the same. Wonderful bowler. I'd love to have a beer with him, but one of the worst commentators of all time. And he admitted he, he didn't watch any cricket except when he was commentating, and it bloody well showed. Yeah, it frustrates me as well. I just find it um, 
I don't like whenever they kind of, whenever anyone sounds like you're making the viewers of your sport sound like, oh, I haven't got time for that. Mm. Like they've got time for watching me, but. I don't we know. Like, we would have liked David Warner like joked about maybe playing a Sheffield Shield match on a press conference recently, and I was going to send it to you because it was like, well, mm. it's not. It's like settle down. It's still playing first class cricket. It's not. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't, but they can enjoy it. They can not watch what they're just say. Look, I don't, I don't watch it because. But, the, but don't you think it's weird for a Test cricketer like Hazelwood, who's going to be like, if if you're playing England in the mm. Ashes, wouldn't you want to watch it? Enough of them to know what they're about. Yeah, I, I find it a bit bizarre. I mean, but it's not uncommon for other in other sports that they don't watch each other and mm. they don't know what each other's doing. I, I find it always very bizarre in sport because to me, I want to know every bit of the opposition. So I, find well, it I understand it in the sense of you know, I'll, if I look after my own game, that's all that matters. And if I get too concerned with what the opposition does, then I might start to second guess myself. I get that, um, and I get that he just doesn't like watching it. As I said, it's it's not yet a crime. But just don't rock up in five years' time and, um, you know, get on the, the Channel 7 coverage. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, isn't this the best day yeah. in cricket? The BBL final. Don't we just look forward to it? Do you? <laughs> Jaleesa, do you have a can't let it go? Uh, no, I was just going to, like, say uh, how much I love Bluey, but we already did that. Uh, jokes aside, that Bluey episode, like, it's not some masterpiece. Everyone's, it, it's a nice cartoon, and I like the fact that, there's a lot of Americans who will know a bit more about cricket. Um, I haven't yeah. seen that episode yet. I've seen a lot of episodes of Bluey. I think it's a fabulous show. And it was interesting that on the night. Have you that, on Twitter, though, Bluey on the cricket Twitter's like the last two days. Like, I don't know how you've missed it. I haven't been on Twitter. The last, Twitter's no, I've lost a lot of interest in Twitter. Okay, um, well. Oh, um, is your time? Every, is, well, the, every cricket journal has been tweeting about Bluey in the last two days. Is your timeline filled with people you don't follow? Because that's why I've lost cricket. I mean, that's why I lost Twitter. I've just you've got to switch views. You switch from um. There's two. The, the default is whatever they serve serve well, you yeah. up. Switch to the other column, and you'll get back to what you used to get the chronological order, and then you'll be fine. Um, uh, have a look at it, and you'll see that, and you'll and you'll you won't get all the nonsense. I'll tell you anymore. after. Okay. Um, but I was going to say, um, it was interesting on that final night that the um. Uh, Channel 7 and Channel 9 News were the top two rating shows in Australia. The third top rating show was Bluey, and just beating hit Bluey was the first, just being beaten by Bluey was the first session of the final day's play. So the you know the cricket came forth, um, beating 60 Minutes, beating um, the AFL, beating MasterChef, um, you know, uh, beating the ABC News. It rated really, really well. Anyway, Bluey's uh, Bluey's going off. R.I.P. Bluey and Rusty. Um. Paul, do you ever can't let it go? I do. Just quickly, um, just a couple of comments on the on the live. Martin Lawrence said, "Is Paul Paul is doing his own Roy Simmons uh, calculation? Uh, Simon's Roy Simon's calculation. I'm tired. Um, I did it before him when he started doing it. I was like, I've done this. I've done this. Um, anyway, thanks to all the other comments. That, uh, <laughs> I think Simon's put a lot more thought into his. Oh, mate. <laughs> oh, what'd you do? To, don't hurt him like that. That's not, all right, what's you your know. can't let it go, Paul? We've got to wrap this up. My can't let it go is that a few weeks ago, Brian Booth died, and he was 89 and had a fine test career, played 29 tests, averaged in the sort of low to mid-40s, captained Australia twice, and predictably there were lots of really nice obituaries and um, comments about him, and they were all well-deserved. I was disappointed that the Sydney Morning Herald almost said nothing about him. You know, the, the main sort of... Uh, paper, well, the main kind of, no, it's no longer a broadsheet, but the main broadsheet paper in his hometown or the, the town that he played for, 
Um, had a 150-word obituary very, very briefly, and a couple, you know, got mentioned mentioned as a sort of um, at the bottom of the Fitz files and one or two other little mentions. But you know, Gideon Haig in the Australian wrote, wrote a lovely obituary. Robert Craddock in the News Limited Press wrote a lo lovely obituary. Uh, I'm very disappointed at the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, and one other thing I'd just say about um, uh, Brian Booth that uh, there's also the tweet that Nigel Farage has just put out about criticizing oh, the Aussies for not um, uh, for not. Uh, celebrating with champagne, which they, uh, you know, they didn't spray champagne all over themselves, which they did just to be nice to Usman Khawaja. I'm sure Khawaja didn't ask for it. They just thought, you know, it's a nice thing to do. There's a bloke that doesn't want to drink alcohol. Let's not do that. And I want to make the point that if Farage is thinking, oh, you can't do anything these days. Well, way back in the day, Brian Booth, who didn't gamble, um, was new to the team. And the players were about to have a bit of a cards game with all gambling and stuff, you know, hard drinking, hard gambling era. Keith Miller, the most kind of swashbuckling of all, recognised this could put um, him in an awkward situation. So pr proactively said, hey, Brian, why don't you just, um, you can be the banker, you can keep all the money and that way, um, so, you know, you don't have to play, but it allowed him to be included. And Brian Booth said how how thankful he was at that nice little gesture of welcome. And I think that's all that the gesture of um, with Kawaja is as well. So Brian Booth, um, uh, a real champion of Australian cricket and really um, regarded as a lovely man. Uh, rest in peace. Lovely. Lovely way to finish the show, Paul. Well, thanks everybody yeah. for listening to Cricket Unfiltered. And um, we don't endorse Nigel. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I, I think it's this whole debate about champagne is so stupid. Like, well, what is it? Like, alcohol, is it? alcohol does not define whether you're Australian or not. Like, it's such a stupid Neanderthal. I loved kind all of the people being symmetry. like, who's Nigel? <laughs> I was like, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I just, if it wasn't clear, I also don't endorse um, Nigel Farage's uh, comments. Um, and also separately, I'd like to say Nigel Farage is an idiot. Anyone who's listened to this podcast, I think would have guessed where you sat on that. Uh, <laughs> Felisa, thanks so much for coming into the studio. What's the plan for you over the next few weeks? Oh, I've just got a lot of um, work and anxiety to get through before I oh. take off. <laughs> I wish I had a few more weeks for, to do everything, but it's it's fine. Fantastic. And Paul, we'll be catching up a lot. Uh, well, you're welcome on the match reviews, but we'll be, we've decided what we're going to record a, a full daily wrap when we can, basically, whether that's three in the morning or when we get up. And we're going to sometimes go live at lunch, like when Australia bowls at England for 60 again before lunch, we'll go live and, and dance on their grave, that kind of thing. When you know, Australia lifts the ashes midway through the third day, the third test, we'll do it then as well. Um, but we'll do full wraps on the podcast feed, definitely every day. Can't wait. Well, thanks everybody for listening to our preview and we'll be back soon. This is a Piccolo podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.